0: Hi, this is Corey Turner, and along with my wife, Simone, we are the Senior Pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. Uh, I want to invite you to go to Acts chapter 4, verse 23, Acts 4, verse 23. I want to speak to you today about power and boldness. Power and boldness. I believe the Lord wants not only to fill you with his power, but he wants to fill you with boldness for what God has called you to do in your life. And we read in Acts chapter 4, verse 23, the story of when Peter and John come back after being uh, released from um, the, the, the council and persecution that it says in verse 23, when they were released, they went to their friends and they reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together in prayer to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against His anointed. Speaking of the resistance and attack against Jesus and then also the body of Christ. For truly, verse 27, in this city, being Jerusalem, they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, political leaders, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. I want to say to everybody here today, no matter what resistance may be coming against you, it cannot stop the sovereign purposes of God in your life. God's called you, God's anointed you, God's gifted you, God's empowered you, He intends for that to be fulfilled and to come to pass regardless of what resistance or attack is coming against you. That applies politically in a city, a state. It it applies personally. It applies corporately as a church. God is sovereign over the affairs of man. Now, we are in a war. There is a spiritual war that's happening. Hammerstone, we've got to contend in that war. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of darkness. But it's so important that you don't lose sight of the fact that God is Sovereign. And that he'll even use the pharaohs of this world in order to fulfill his sovereign purposes in the earth. The Bible says, it goes on, they're, they're praying. So they're in a prayer meeting and they say, And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. Everybody say boldness while you jesus stretch out your hand to heal through the church and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant jesus and when they prayed the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the holy spirit and continued to speak the word of god with what boldness power and boldness. One of the things that I've been contending for for years in my life in prayer is a a greater anointing to heal the sick and it's interesting sometimes when you pray what God does to answer your prayers. It came in the form of uh, my own father, not that God arranged this or sent this sickness at all, that's not the nature of who God is, but my father had an acute stroke uh, his second one in about 20 years early last year, and uh, I went to the hospital within 30 minutes of praying for him. all symptoms of the acute stroke, including paralysis down in his left side of his body, his uh, speech, strength in his body, etc cetera, etc, cetera, all symptoms immediately within 30 minutes of that prayer disappeared and he got up and walked out of that hospital uh, in a short period of time. That then launched me into a season of seeing a lot of healings break out. Sometimes there is like a breakthrough moment, a pivotal moment, where what you're praying for, when you break through, it launches you into a new season of effectiveness and of ministry in your own life. It applies financially. It applies with the gifts of the Spirit. It applies on lots of different levels. Now, since August 28, we've seen... Hundreds and hundreds of miracles break out, including just this past week. We've seen uh, people on Thursday night. We uh, had Catherine Ranola ministering. We had multiple words of knowledge and many people set free, healed. We've had now 10 um, cancer patients healed in Jesus' name. We've got, had blind eyes open, deaf ears open. People leaving crutches at the altar. If this has only been the last 15 weeks, what's going to happen over the next 12 months or the next 15 months? it's, It's increasing in measure. And so we've got to stay hungry for demonstrations of the Spirit and of power. Now, when we are faced with a lack of power, the justice inside of us searches for reasons why. Why, after I prayed and believed, didn't I see what was taking place? It's the same question the disciples asked of Jesus when they couldn't minister freedom and healing to the tormented boy. Uh, He had been uh, struggling with uh, oppression from a, a demonic spirit since he was born and the father brings the boy to the disciples. The disciples can't cast the boy out. Uh, can't cast the demon out. <laughs> they may needed to cast the boy out. And 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 so Jesus comes and says, "Oh, faithless generation, how long am I to bear with you?" Exasperated at the lack of faith, even in his own church, his own disciples, ministers freedom to the boy. And then the disciples in the green room after the healing conference, that where there wasn't a lot of healing, uh, said, "Jesus, why couldn't we set the boy?" Free. Why couldn't we cast the demon out of the boy? And Jesus said this kind can only be driven out or come out through prayer. And some translations in some gospels say prayer and fasting. In other words, depending upon the resistance that you come against will, will require a greater increase in contending for the breakthrough that you are believing for. And there is nothing more potent than the nuclear bomb of prayer and fasting to actually bring breakthrough spiritually in every single area of your life. If you're facing resistance and it won't move right now, maybe fast a meal and spend that time in prayer. Watch what God does in your life. Now, when we don't have an accurate view of who God is, we tend to form wrong conclusions about God's nature or His will to move in a particular situation. And many believers are paralysed in their faith and they don't see breakthrough because they don't have an accurate view of who God actually is. And so if we want the ways of God to become our ways and and the culture of the kingdom to become the culture that you and I live in, we need our minds renewed about who God is. And one of the responsibilities of ministry, fivefold ministry in the life of a local church and those who are discipling people into faith is to present to you a brilliant and accurate view of who God is. We know that, those who believe God to be an angry judge do so in, their, in proportion to their inability to move in power. Many people view God as an angry judge and not as a perfect, loving, holy father. And so if you view God as an angry judge, no wonder you don't want to spend any time with Him or reveal maybe the struggles and brokenness of your heart with Him because you feel like you're going to get hit with a stick. And so many people are distant. They come to church under this yoke of religion or this yoke of burden, right? Even though Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest for my yoke is easy and my burden. Even though Jesus said that, if you have an inaccurate view of the Father, you won't approach Him with wholeheartedness because you think you're going to get punished by Him. But there is no fear in love. Love deals with that sense of punishment that you feel is going to come against you because of sin. God is not a condemner. He's a deliverer. He's an empowerer. And so those who believe God is a perfect father do so in proportion to their ability to move in power. There is a direct correlation between the activity of the Holy Spirit in your life And your accurate view of who God is or your inaccurate view. I love Smith Wigglesworth. He's a great revivalist of many years ago. And he preached in the pulpit of this church in the 1920s. And so many people got healed and all their medical equipment was left here at the altar that they, in the building literally around the corner, Richmond Temple, they put all of the medical equipment and crutches and wheelchairs under the platform so that every time a man or woman of God got up to preach, That they would minister in faith, believing that the same God who healed the sick back then is the same God who's healing the sick today. Smith Wigglesworth had an accurate revelation of who God was. And so he expected God to move in any and every situation. And he's famous for saying, if God isn't working, when I get there, I'll move him myself. He wasn't saying that he could, you know, manipulate God in his own self-will and effort. What he was saying is not arrogance, but a conviction in God's nature and the covenant that we have through Jesus. We were hearing in um, communion about the, the access, the bold access we have through what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross That doesn't just apply to your sin, it applies to every single area of your life. Why is it that we can believe for our salvation and forgiveness of sin and eternal life in one moment, but then after we get saved, we struggle to believe for our healing? or we struggle to believe for financial provision, or we struggle to believe for other miraculous things that we need in our life. No, the same God that saves you is the same God that wants to heal you, is the same God that wants to move in your life, in every single area of your life. And so our confidence to move in the power of God is not based in a formula of articulating words rightly when we pray for people. It's based upon our faith in the character and the goodness of God, in the nature of who God is. The leper came to Jesus in the gospels and says, Jesus, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus looked and said, I'm willing. If you're doubting whether or not it's God's will to heal and to move in your life powerfully, doubt no more. He's a good, good father who is willing and able to minister the kingdom in your life. There is no possible way to over exaggerate God's goodness in your life. You can't exhaust the exaggeration of who God is. He's perfect in every way. And what signs and wonders do is they help us taste and see of the goodness of God. When someone gets healed, when someone gets delivered, which by the way, 40% of Jesus' ministry was deliverance, casting out demons. And, And often in the modern church, we get all spooked by that sort of stuff because we think that that's not normal. No, it's absolutely normal. Maybe our consumerist normal needs to be replaced by gospel normal of how Jesus operated and what Jesus did. Maybe we've turned church into something that God never intended it to be, where it's a presentation with lots of form but lacks substance. And in fact, it's obvious in this day and in this hour is that the dividing, there is a dividing line between believers with power and those without power. It is widening. We're seeing this sort of almost like contrast between a church that is infused with the power of the Holy Spirit and a church that that lacks that power in their life. 2 Timothy 3.5 talks about the last days. It's a prophecy. Of the days we're living in, it will be marked by people having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. In other words, in the last days, there will be part of the church that actually has the form, the presentation, but lacks the substance, that it won't be real. It'll look like it's the real thing, but it isn't the real thing. Every Coca-Cola drinker, I don't drink Coke, but I'm told a Coca-Cola drinker that is addicted to it can know the d- difference in a heartbeat between Coca-Cola and AC Cola and Pepsi Max and, 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 and all the Coke drinkers say, amen. You, you know what the real thing is compared to an imitation. It's funny, you know, the world knows the difference between a real Christian and an imitation. It's just the church is still trying to work that out a little bit. And the real thing is someone who is infused and filled with the love of Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit, doesn't mean they're perfect. The power of God moving through you is not based upon your moral perfection or whether you've got everything right, Jesus moved in power in the Gospels with the, the, the paralysed and Jesus came to the paralysed and says, your sins are forgiven and then healed that paralysed man. Jacob had an encounter in the Old Testament with an open heaven where angels were ascending and descending upon him. And, and he said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. God is here and I didn't realise it. Jacob was a liar. He was a he was a supplanter. And so God does not need you to be perfect in terms of how you would perceive moral perfection for God to use you or to move through your life. What He's looking for is willing, available vessels of people that will just contend and believe for the fullness of His presence and His truth at work in our lives. In Ezekiel's vision, of the river that was issuing forth from the temple. He sees that on either side of the river, representing the presence of God, there were swamps and there were marshes. When the river of God, the presence of God, doesn't have an outlet in your life, it can become stale water. Jesus said, He who believes in me out of his spirit will flow rivers of living water. Jesus said, if you drink of this water, you'll never thirst again. I want to tell you today, if there's no outlet of the work of the Spirit of God in our lives, what can happen is is that the waters become stale, that that if there's no expression of what God impresses you with, there'll be a depression in your spirit. Lots of people get impressed by the presence of God, impressed by the Word of God. I'm just looking back at that screen. That's a very large picture of me. Can we just minimise that a little bit? I'm getting really self-conscious up here. Um, And, and, and uh, and, um, I just looked around and went, whoa. Uh, It's like IMAX. What was I saying? Lots of people get impressed by God's spirit. You know, you're walking down the street, you're in the marketplace, you, you, you're in your neighbourhood and the Lord puts something on your heart to go share your faith or pray for someone who is sick and, and God impresses you with something. If there's not an expression of that in your life, what can often happen is there is this grieving in the heart of God. There's almost like this depressive thing that sort of comes against or comes on you because you're not giving expression to what God has actually impressed your heart with. We are not a swamp church. We're not a mass church. We're a river church. What does that mean? It means that we're a house where when the presence of God moves, we, we let it go. We don't try and control it. We, we I mean, the Bible in 1 Corinthians 14 talks about everything should be done decently and in order and, and, and that's good and we want to honour that. But also there is this sense of, being open to the leading of the Holy Spirit, are you open to the river of God's Spirit flowing through your life? The reason the Dead Seas are Dead Seas is because there's no outlet. Nothing can live in it. A river supposed to flow. A channel is supposed to flow. Is there any outward expression of the person of the Holy Spirit through your life and in your life? John the Baptist said of Jesus that when he comes and baptizes with the Holy Spirit and fire, in Matthew 3, his winnowing fork will be in his hand and he's going to clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. He's talking about when the Holy Spirit comes and moves, it separates the repentant from the unrepentant. When the Holy Spirit moves, It either draws and magnetizes people to the presence of God, or it repels people away depending upon their revelation and intimacy with the heart of the Father. Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. There is something about intimacy with the Father's heart that draws you to the person and power of the Holy Spirit. But when we're not intimate with the Father's heart, we see demonstrations of the Spirit and of power, often what can happen is fear can come, reluctance can come, and we can sort of be passive and step back and almost then begin to condemn it as being, you know, sort of a work of the devil, which, by the way, Jesus says is the unpardonable sin to call that which is of Jesus, that which is of the Spirit, something that's of the devil, And so we've got to be careful that we don't actually become so staunch in our belief system and in our posture when it comes to um, our misunderstanding or misrepresentation of the Scripture that we're not opposing something that is in fact absolutely true and in the heart of God. Because there is this desire within the human soul to be right, If you commit your life to a lie and you refuse to repent of that lie, then you have to more vigorously and aggressively defend that lie by opposing everything that comes against that lie. And throughout church history, the church or people have often opposed certain doctrines or teachings, things like justification by faith, things like the power and person of the Holy Spirit, and we've come up with weird doctrines like the power of God and the fivefold ministries died out in the first century because we've had to defend our view because we think that we are right. And I think in the last days, we're going to see pockets of the church oppose God's power more aggressively in order to justify a lack of power. okay if I preach today? And so we've got to guard our hearts, Newman Church, from becoming professional explainers of why nothing happens. And what a lot of Christians do is they start to explain away, and this is where sort of liberal theology comes in, where we start to justify and create weird doctrines to try and explain away why God doesn't heal today. There are aspects to the gospel that is going to be mystery to you. Even on your best day with all of your learning, there are some things that are still mystery. And it is the height of arrogance to think that we as humans have to understand everything before God moves. It's pride. It's the flesh. And and atheism itself is rooted in the spirit of pride because if someone doesn't understand faith, they go, you're crazy, you're mad, it's illogical. Therefore, if I don't understand it, it's not real. Who here can explain love between two people? Falling in love. No one can, but it's real. There's a mystery to it. You don't understand it all, but you know when that person walks in, that person. Why is it that we have to understand everything in order to firstly embrace it? How many of us know a child doesn't understand everything, but there's this childlike dependence upon their parents. They just know, they know, they know, they know. They can trust and rely upon their parents. Jesus said, unless you become like a little child, you can't enter into the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. So you're not going to understand everything. There's going to be a mystery to it. I don't understand why. For years, 25 years, my mum lived with a lung disease that saw at the end of her life, seven years ago, she passed away on Mother's Day weekend. And the end of her life, she only had 25% capacity of her lungs left. And we prayed and believed and in certain seasons she had great health, but sometimes up to nine months of the year she'd be in hospital and, and then you pray for others and immediately breakthrough. Yeah. What's that about? God never asked you to become a professional explainer of, the, of why something didn't happen or did happen. What He's asking you to do is to take that posture of a little child, learn as much as you can, draw close to His heart, be intimate with the Father, and contend for everything that Jesus says is available to you. Even greater works than these. I'm contending for the greater works. The church should be contending for the greater works in this day. We're gonna entrust our hearts to the goodness of God. Every single believer in this room has the power of God available to them right now it's not based upon you know whether or not you've been given a title and a microphone in your hand to preach on the platform but every single follower of Jesus every single believer in Jesus just like the 120 disciples in the upper room that got filled with the holy spirit on the day of pentecost and god began to manifest in great signs and wonders to the point That even Peter's shadow, people would lay the sick in Peter's shadow so that as Peter's shadow went by, they would be healed. How many of us know that's a powerful anointing? Where does that where does that begin? It begins with a solid rock foundation of faith that believes that Jesus is who he says he is. I'm not gonna live vicariously through just the pastor's revelation but I'm going to grow in my intimacy with the Father and my understanding of His Word and I'm going to live out of my own revelation of what God has shown me. And that's what good spiritual parents do. They empower people to come to a point of maturity. They don't make people dependent upon them for them to be able to operate and function in their faith. Spiritual leaders, five fold ministry, spiritual fathers and mothers, it's not an age thing, it's a spirit thing, are true spiritual parents when they empower maturity in their kids. You know, last night I saw my wife and son jump on a plane and head to the United Kingdom for three weeks, and my son is um, trialing and being scouted over there for soccer, for football, and And as I watched him go, I realised all of these years of investment and discipleship and training with him and discipling him in his faith and everything, it's like we're now at a transition point in our journey that even though he's 16 years of age, there is the potential where he could be on the other side of the world in years to come. And I was recognising that I hope I Laid the right foundations. I didn't raise my son. I'm not raising my kids to be dependent upon me. I'm raising them to be mature in their relationship with Jesus and and, and to actually begin to exercise their wisdom and their freedom of choice in a way that honours God and is aligned with the person and power of the Holy Spirit and the truth of the kingdom of God, that's what a healthy church should do. Your awareness of God's presence and power doesn't have to wane when you're doing mundane duties. When you're driving down the road in peak hour traffic, you probably need the presence of God more. Who finds driving in peak hour traffic really stressful? I'm like driving in just to hear, and I'm like needing to repent and needing, I need to get water baptized again, and I need, oh, and that's just coming to preach today. And uh, I'm sort of joking, but sort of not. Uh, what about when, you know, you're, you're needing a, a morning tea break or a lunch break and you've been busy and, you know, you're tired, you don't want to talk to anyone and you just need a break. How many of us know you can be aware of the presence of God right there in that moment? When you're cleaning your house, (laughs) some people feel the presence of Satan when they clean their property. No, you can feel the presence of Jesus. You know, Brother Lawrence was a 17th century monk who... Um, his letters have been compiled into something called practising the presence of God. And he would clean dishes in in the kitchen of that monastery and he would practise God's presence and be aware of God's presence. The more conscious you are aware of God's presence in your everyday life, the more aware you are of when the power of God wants to move through you into other people's lives. And one of the things that I think God is wanting us to grow in is this conscious, this God consciousness. So many people are actually self-conscious, yeah. self-absorbed, self-conscious, so that it stops them, the insecurity stops them from reaching out and sharing of their faith. It stops them from stepping out in faith and praying. It stops them from all sorts of things. And and God actually wants to bring you into a place of um, total understanding of, wholeness of your identity in Christ and of the awareness of God's presence in your life so much that just a glance from Jesus your way, you know, I'm going to pray for that person. I'm going to go up and introduce myself and say, hey, would you be okay if I prayed with you? Well, what if they, well, they probably will think it's weird. But that's not why we don't not do things because people think it's weird. Sometimes people don't know what they need until they're presented it. I tell you, I feel God right now, man. He's here right now. This service is fundamentally different to the last service, my message. Why? Because I just decided to step back and just say, Lord, you speak. What are you wanting to say? What are you wanting to do? All I know is the more time that I'm intentional and deliberate about spending time in His presence, the more aware I become in every area of my life. And one of the key manifestations of God's presence in our lives, regardless of your personality, is boldness. Boldness is not dependent upon whether you're introvert or extrovert. So, some people think, you know, well, I'm not that personality. I'm not expressive or demonstrative. I'm not bold in that way. So, you know, you can't expect me to. How, how do you know worship, Jesus or the Bible doesn't, you know, exclude you from certain demonstrations of worship. Clap your hands, all you people. Lift up holy hands but based upon personality. People say, oh, that's not my style of worship. I prefer a quieter church. Okay, that's not my style. Yeah. How many of us know all of our appetites and opinions have to conform to the Word of God? Yeah. The Bible says, "Clap your hands, all you pe- all ye people." Yeah. It's not based upon personality. Yeah. It, it, it's based upon a heart revelation. Yeah. So it's not about a style. You know, if he's a Oh, Pentecost style and you've got Anglican got you've got you know, this and that. No, it's, it's based upon a heart revelation. Jeez, I'm going to lift holy hands to you. One of the manifestations of the Spirit that we often don't talk about when it comes to the Holy Spirit filling you, we often talk about speaking in tongues and the gifts of the Spirit and prophecy. But here in this passage, the manifestation of the Spirit was boldness. And so the context of this passage is that there are 50,000 believers in Jerusalem at that time. So this is a megachurch that we're dealing with. They're meeting daily in the temple. They're meeting in each other's houses. Revival is literally shaking the culture to the point that the leaders, Peter and John, along with the other 12, are being brought before the authorities. God's presence is manifesting in supernatural ways. Peter and John have been arrested for healing someone who was sick. And the distinctive trait of Peter and John in this passage, in verse 13 of chapter 3, was that they were bold. Uneducated, common, but bold. Bold. Now the goal isn't to dumb this down and to be perceived as uneducated in order to somehow think that God's going to get more glory if we embrace false humility. The goal is to be so dependent upon the Holy Spirit and aware of His presence 24-7 that all glory and honour goes to Jesus when He moves through us and ministers into people's lives healing the sick and setting the oppressed free. If Jesus had to be baptised and filled with the Holy Spirit, the Son of God had to be dependent upon the power of the Spirit and dependent upon His Father, how much more you and I? I heard someone say over the last week, I don't need to pray to do my job. I thought to myself, then you don't know the first thing about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Because to be a follower of Jesus, John fifteen four, is to remain in him. That's right. As the branch cannot bear fruit apart from the vine, neither can you and I unless we remain in him. Yeah. Prayer is not a religious activity or a duty, it's a means of relationship. I don't pray because I have to or I don't pray because I, I, I want to be religious. I pray because I value intimacy. And prayer isn't just, you know, sort of the traditional grab the rosary beads, you know, uh, hum another, a number of, you know, Hail Marys or whatever. That's not prayer. Prayer is you, you can pray without you even saying anything. Prayer is what you meditate upon in your heart as much as what you open up your lips and declare. Prayer is communication. Prayer is intimacy. And so what did Peter and John do? After they were released, they go back. And here's the crazy thing to me. They've just been intimidated. They've just been threatened. If you keep this up. Ever said, any parents said that to you? If you keep this up. And we offer all of these threats and your kids just look at you like, yep, we'll see. (laughs) They're like, if you keep this up, we're going to throw you in prison again or something worse is going to happen to you. And so they'd be like, um, we're talking the authorities, the religious establishment, the rulers. Most Christians... And the church throughout the last 2,000 years would have got intimidated, locked the doors, buckled down, let's pray for the rapture, let's get out of here, it's too difficult. What did Peter and John in the early church do? They just pray for more boldness. I mean, it's hilarious when you think about it. The Bible's funny. It's like, you know, threatened, oh no, we, we should form a committee and we should discuss how we're going to strategically tackle the authorities. Let's form a lobby group and let's, you know, and I'm not against those things. I'm just saying, it's funny how humans reason their way out when things come. Holy Church didn't do any of that. They just got in the prayer closet, prayer meeting, and said, God, give us more boldness. Let's up it an ante. Let's go higher. Let's actually increase our expectation. Let's see more signs and wonders break out in Jesus. Let's overwhelm them with the kindness and goodness of God. When your enemies come against you, pray for them. Bless them. Let's go higher. Let's do what John the Revelator did. Come up here and get my vantage point. I heard the best story this week of a British test pilot by the name of Henley, he was flying at 10,000 feet years ago and he saw a rat chewing on the fuel line and he didn't have time to land and he just worked out, well I've got oxygen, that rat doesn't, let's go higher. So he just took the plane up higher, ascended at a high elevation and suffocated the rat from chewing the source of fuel. When the rat of the enemy comes against you, don't... Don't come down to it, go up higher. When mockery, criticism, persecution comes against you, don't retaliate. Don't be, you know, sort of like on the keyboard warrior and get into a fisticuff on Facebook and try and justify why you believe in signs and wonders and miracles and the power of the Holy Spirit and a marriage between a man and a woman. Don't get caught up in the battle. Just go higher and kill the rat and the spirit that's coming against you the church has gotten distracted and sidelines by the rats that are coming against us and Jesus is saying come up with me I've seated you in heavenly places now act like it act like a son and a daughter of God don't stoop to their level just rise higher come up here Whenever the, I will, whenever the rat, whenever the rats have come against the church the last two thousand years, the church has landed the plane. Wow. Wow. But there's a few, there's a chosen few, like in Acts chapter four, that says, "No, we're coming up here. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to pray for boldness. Yeah. We're going to up the ante. Yeah. Now we're going to see more signs and wonders. That's we're going to see more lame people healed, because yeah. yeah. that's God's heart. That's His nature. That's, that's who He is." You know, it 's really interesting the last fifteen weeks in this great outpouring i've probably had more disconnect from some of my brothers and sisters in the faith and almost distance and and criticism and, and mockery and you know people attacking my prophetic gift all sorts of things all online by the way because they don 't ever show it to your face they just attack you online and there hasn 't even been an inch or a millimetre of, I'm going to retaliate, it's just been delete. I'm not going to allow, yeah. I'm not saying they are, but hear what I'm saying. I'm not going to allow the spirit that's behind that, yeah. that, that influence of that rat spirit, because yeah. some people don't know what they're partnering with. I'm not going to let that to distract my peace and distract my focus on what yeah. God's called us to do. Yeah. And, 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 and on the day of Pentecost, if they had people mocking them on the day of Pentecost, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, we should not be surprised if there's some mockers along the way. Yeah. I mean, even this morning before our 9am service, there, there was an incident, you know, where we just had to deal and the team did so well, handled it professionally. But it's like the enemy's not going to yeah. stand alongside and give us a golf clap when the power of God is moving. Yeah. In fact, I count resistance to be a signature of approval. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, if we as leaders are acting foolishly and unwise and are not responding to positive feedback, that, how many say that's a different thing? Yeah. And sometimes what we can do as leaders in our own pride is sort of like, well, they don't know, you know, this is just an attack. And sometimes it is an attack. How many say sometimes it's our foolishness? Yeah. 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 I reposted something... Over uh, the last 24 hours, that sometimes what we interpret as spiritual warfare is just actually character development. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're like, Devil, I bind you. And Lord's like, It's not the devil. And the devil's like, Nut, nah, I wasn't responsible for that one. Sometimes it's just, you know, we bring stuff upon ourselves. Yeah. 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 I tell you, you'll know if it's the devil. You shall know them by their fruit. Yeah. Yeah. What? The devil is an accuser. That's yeah. it. That's it. Yeah. He's a liar. Yeah. He'll accuse and he'll lie, he'll make things up that are not true. He'll question the truth of God's Word in your life. Yeah. He'll say, did God really say that? Did God really call you? Yeah. You sure you're really called to go to Newman School of the Spirit next year? <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. You sure you really are up to laying your whole life down to follow Jesus? I'm not sure you're really up for it. Well, you've got this and this and this. Just settle down. I had a believer say to me one time, you're not too full on or extreme into this Christian thing, are you? (laughs) You see, there's no such thing as like quarter measure Christianity or half measure or three quarters. It's just either all in or all out. And, it, and, it's, and it's not about personality and it's, it's not about weirdness. Some of the most powerfully anointed supernatural people are very natural. Yeah, right. yes. You can relate to them. I, one of the best compliments I ever had one time was from someone who said, Corey, you, you move in the power of God, but like you're normal. And I'm like, <laughs> Yes not because I'm trying to be normal, but I just don't think that to move in the power of the Holy Spirit means that you're all ooky, spooky, weird, and people can't relate to you. I look at Jesus and go, he was so attractive. He was so relational that he loved a party. In fact, they accused him of being a drunkard and a glutton. I'm like, that's my Jesus. (laughs) He loved food. Now, obviously, he was perfect. He was sinless. So he wasn't a drunkard and he wasn't a glutton, but he loved the, 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 yeah. the presence of God so much. He loved people so much that he could relax enough to be real yeah. and accessible. Yeah. This is who Jesus is. Yeah. And that Jesus lives in you. That's right. Christ in me, the hope yeah. of glory. Yeah. The Spirit of God lives in you and the Spirit of God wants to minister to people. But if we are under a weight of intimidation from all sorts of political spirits or spiritual um, accusation against the church and we're not bold, when resistance comes, we'll step back. Now, this is a day and age where we're not to step back, we're to step forward and say, God, just fill me with more boldness. Help me to continue to speak Your Word more Boldly, And so today, just in a moment, we're going to pray and we're going to ask God to fill us and move us from a measure of boldness to full boldness. Because I believe if you're a Christian and if you're filled with the Spirit, you've already got some boldness in you. Right? The Bible says the righteous are as bold as a lion. But this is what happens after they prayed for boldness. Verse 31. And when they had prayed the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. Literally, their physical property began to shake. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they continued to speak the Word of God with boldness. Verse 33, And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Before this chapter, before this prayer, God was adding to the church day by day those who were being saved. After this prayer, God was multiplying believers to the church. Addition to multiplication. You are one prayer away from a multiplied breakthrough in your life. One prayer. God, fill me with boldness. And boldness in God says, God, you're still good even when I don't understand it. And I'm not going to blame you and create weird doctrines just because I don't understand. But I'm going to contend for everything that you have for me. And I'm going to believe that you are going to be faithful to your word on my behalf. Thank you for joining us for this message today.